0: Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports.
1: What's up, everybody? It's another week of 5 on 3, your home for hockey at WFUV. I'm Lou Orlando, and I I could not be more excited and more happy to, jo- to be joined by two of the greatest hockey minds. Maybe to ever exist, James Burley and Nick Palmer we're just talking off air like, can't dream up a better crew than this, so I'm so pumped to be with you boys. How are we doing?
2: I'm doing very well. It's my first time back talking hockey this year. Long uh, way to return. I know. Very, very excited to do this. I think we've got representation from each of the three teams in the area it's beautiful, today. beautiful, isn't it? Uh, it's always uh, always fun when we get that, and it's it's so fun when we're back in studio, too. You know, I've been I've been saying this ever since... We start a podcast that I've been in studio for. It's just great to be back in studio because all summer we're just looking at each other through our computer screens, and it's not fun. I see your beautiful faces four or five feet away
0: from me right now, and I'm loving this.
2: Nick looks awfully cute today.
0: You guys got me kicking my feet and stuff. <laughs> I mean, you, you guys, I, I was saying before this, this is like a clinical five-on-three group. Not only do we have representation, but we have some of the most vocal minds representing each of our teams, very yeah. Be- and very just, good Just stuff.
1: a lot of good vibes, it That's
0: mm-hmm. That's also a wonderful. Early
2: outfit. days in the season, we're all feeling
1: this it. This is a wonderful sweater, by the way. Thank you. The radio audience has it, no though. idea what you're wearing, but it's a beautiful
0: Islander sweater. Let's go Islanders.
1: All right. I, I guess let's actually do our jobs and get into stuff. And why not let's talk about the, as of right now, perfect New York Islanders? We're starting with them? 2 0. I think we should start with them. Oh, I think my that's. Goodness. What, start at the I think top. that's. You know who everyone has their mind on is the the perfect New York Islanders two zero and zero. They've won both games against the Sabres and Coyotes. But hey, two and zero. It's you know can't dream of anything better than that. Nick, I'll let you take it away, especially because you were at first two games. You covered the first. Was. Two games? How about that?
0: Um, first of all, I I'll be the first to rag on Buffalo, but everyone had them as favorites going into that game. I'm a big Buffalo fan. So uh, be quiet, mm. and then mm-hmm. and then obviously the Arizona Coyotes. That that was not. A good game by any extent of the imagination but they're 2-0 uh they were atop the metropolitan division for all of one day before the carolina hurricanes won another game yep. but they're perfect um are they gonna be perfect after tonight we'll see mm. and we'll talk about that james burley yeah we will but they've been playing some excellent hockey they are tied with the st louis blues for the fewest goals against in the league it is 1.00 after the shutout from Ilya Sorokin, and the top they're actually a top face-off team at the moment with a 65.2% face-off win average. You'd expect all of that to come from Bo Horvat, but actually JG Pajo leads the <laughs> NHL. He does in face-off win rate, awesome. 80.8% for JG. So how, how many draws is he taking? Not that many. I was gonna say if
2: it's more than ten, that's even impressive.
0: Yeah, but he's he's been doing fantastic. Obviously, Ilya Sorokin is the story of uh-huh. the New York Islanders. He's in less than 200 career games played for the Islanders, he's already third in franchise history for shutouts. He's having a fantastic season with a 952 save percentage and a plus 1.3 GSA expected. Yeah, it's
2: a good start. No, I
1: I'll leave it to you on where you want to go to this. Are you are you are you already ready to kind of jump down the throats of the haters and be like, hey, look at this team? You've wrote Is it too no. early to be like, it's, no, we're for real?
0: It's so early. It's so early and so not the right time to do that because the issues have been the same issues that you saw last year. Uh, The first line is looking abysmal. I started the year by saying Bo Horvat and Matt Barzell were going to be electric on the same line (laughs) together, and they've been anything but electric on the same line. Bo Horvat, zero points. Zero points. uh, In the first game, he led the team with shots on goal. He had eight, went over eight. Second game, he only had one shot on goal. He joked after the first game that he was ruining his shot percentage, so mm. that's something. But, man. And,
1: even, like, Barzal's one goal, right? That came in the power play. That wasn't even did the first Did you see that line. goal? I did. It was almost like a changeup. up I, yeah. I thought it was funny. Um, it was funny. It I, wasn't supposed to happen.
0: Um. I mean, it's still going to feel good that one hit. Oh, bar, it's, it's Barzy, baby. It's, it's got to feel good. Uh, uh, yeah, I was talking to him after the game, and he – Oh? you well, And you could tell that he wasn't thrilled with the shot either, but he was like, well, it went in. So
2: Well, and that's all that matters in the end, is that not?
0: All that matters in goes the game in. of hockey is that the puck goes in the net.
2: And if it's an especially low-scoring game, you take them when you get
0: them. Thank you, Arizona.
1: I mean, <laughs> for me, I'm thinking, like, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like the second line and the third line look good. The second right? line is dangerous. Like, Brock's off to a good start. Paul Murray, Brock and Paul Mary are flowing early. Uh, I think you've seen some nice—you've uh, mentioned Pajot. I think even on the fourth line, Sezikis has been nice. Like Sezikis has been I great. think it's like— you can talk yourself into, hey, if that first line gets going, we can be a really fun team and like Biz Nasty is wrong. We're not going to be just nap time for the NHL. Like we this can have some fun NHL games. Like that's kind of if I was in your spot, I'd be talking myself to that. I, I,
2: I'm going to jump in right before you do jump. because you you mentioned the mm, b- second line, third line, just the bottom yeah, nine in a, general. The last, there's the game like there are game breakers on the Islanders depth. Oh yeah. I mean, the top line hasn't really hit the ground running and I, and you look around the league and you compare that top line to other top lines, it would be tough to put them in a conversation of among the elite, even if you have a great one-two punch like Horvat and Barzal. But to have guys like Brock Nelson and Paul Mary coming yeah. in with secondary minutes and J.G. Pajot, not just the face-offs, these are guys that can win games and have done so in the playoffs before yeah. in big moments. These are guys that you can rely upon, and I know you call the Nelson line the identity line a lot yeah. of the time. I think you have three identity lines wow. underneath that first line. I like that. Uh, and that's something that a lot of teams – um, struggle with when they have that talent at the top end. The Islanders maybe don't necessarily have it to the degree that other teams do, but they work because they have efficient players underneath throughout the lineup. And I think that that's a, a, something that they should be uh, rewarded for. And I think they yeah. will be once guys like Horvat and Barzell really start to pick up the point production.
0: And I, I, I don't want to like already sell on the first line saying that they're a bust because Simon Holmstrom got called up from Brid- Bridgeport literally two days before the season, did not have time to mesh with probably the hardest player to mesh with in the NHL, and that's Matt Barzell. Mm-hmm. The way that he plays is so difficult to play around, and that's why they got Bo Horvat, because Horvat is so good tactically at dealing with Barzell. You give Simon Holmstrom some time, I think it'll be fine. Uh, Barzell likes Holmstrom. He called his play crispy <laughs> after, after the it's game, which I thought was really funny. Good but good adjective. I, 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 before we move on, I want to talk about the defense, because they okay. have been absolutely fantastic, especially in this game against Arizona. They, I think only 14, 16 shots got to Ilya Sorokin in that game against the Coyotes. A lot of that had to do with sticks in the lane. A lot of that had to do with really good structure. And they killed a lot of penalties. They killed a Hudson-Fashing double minor and only allowed two shots on goal through that entire double minor. Romanov looks really physical. I like that. I love, Pelik has always been fantastic. I've never found any issue with him. Noah Dobson is really the only person that I'm raising some eyebrows at. He's made some sloppy passes, but they have him out there on the PP1 to take shots, to take clappers. So Yeah, and
2: I, I think when you look at the Islanders' results so far defensively, it's not just look at the defensive pairings and see how they've gotten there. Right. It's very much in the way that they play, that they close down space in areas that make it difficult for teams like the Coyotes, who are a big skating team, by the right. way, Logan they don't they cooling. don't they don't get enough credit for how fast they were. They outskated the Devils just like three or four days before they played the Islanders. Yeah. And I'm sure the Islanders watched a lot of film from that game. And did they play the Rangers first too? I, I think probably from both of those games and found out ways to minimize the Coyotes' chances. Would be on the rush, so getting them on a penalty kill and having guys really just close down their lanes. Two shots on a four-minute double minor. Yeah. That's not just your defenseman doing that that's all four guys pitching in oh yeah so i i, I you got to give credit collectively to the islanders core. Uh, i you can't just look at as, as much as i like Romanov, i drafted him in fantasy to try to use him as trade bait for you even though he does <laughs> not take he's him. not gonna score points he's like he's we have an eight, a ten man league and he's only on like 12 percent of teams i don't know why i took him i thought it would work anyway i still have to use him against uh get a trade from hennessy so we're gonna try to figure that out the point is even if you assembled a group of six incredible defensive defensemen to to shut down the team, like you can you can afford to have a Noah Dobson or two because the identity of the Islanders is very much in-your-face shut down hockey, and that's what they've reflected in their first two games.
1: I jokingly made fun of them for defeating the Coyotes and the Sabers. Rangers also beat those two teams. That's their only two wins so far. But I will say, big test today. Obviously, you guys know Islanders, Devils. You two are clashing up against each other. That's tonight at 730. I think that's really interesting, especially as we get into Devils talk, because I feel like the Islanders win that game. All of a sudden, now I think we can really chomp into, hey, hot start, and like let's start right. taking some names. The Devils, and conversely, the Devils dropped that one. We, do we get into scary conversations? The Devils have started 1-1-1. One, one, and one. You were at the second home game, and third?
2: And third, that's correct. And third, so
1: you've been to two games as mm-hmm. well you've been there talk me through where are we seeing for the devils right now
2: I think after game one the the I mean I wasn't at game one but I think the uh, the collective agreement was that wasn't our game but our individual talent got us the win and it's a building block and then game two was a lot of the same where they started off really slow went down early and had to claw everything back and they and they put everything together in one period they've played nine periods this season and in each of their three games they've played one good period I and, and that's not a Spell of success when you have expectations like the New Jersey Devils do. Uh, and they haven't lived up to it just yet. It's three games in, it's early. But the opponents also weren't all that difficult in the end. Uh, I thought the Red Wings, they made look a lot better than they could have been. They made the Coyotes uh, look way better than they were. I, I said they outskated the Devils. That's something you never expect the Devils to do. But when they're not on their A game, and they showed this last year in the playoffs against Carolina and in games one and two against the Rangers they're a very beatable team if they're not doing what they do best. And the Devils have not looked like themselves yet any of these first three games, um, especially uh, last Monday night against Florida. They went down 4 nothing before, once again, waking up and putting everything together. They scored three unanswered, but they ran out of time. And against the Coyotes, they went down 2 nothing, scored three unanswered in the second period, and were a few minutes away from winning that game, if not for a good uh, late third-period rush from Arizona. So I think the Devils Honestly, it's a waiting game at this point of when is Timo Meyer going to come into his own and mesh with Nico Hishier. Uh At one point, does Lindy Ruff have to cement what line pairings are going to work moving forward because the idea was to keep Timo with Nico and keep Bratt with Hughes, but Bratt and Hughes have been scoring all the points, so it's time to start spreading those guys around and getting more guys involved. Uh, I, I don't want to press on the panic button just yet because we're three games into the season. The Devils started poorly last season. Some of their highest performing players also started last year without scoring a lot of points. Namely, Timo Meyer had like six points through his first fifteen games or so last year. But once he got going in November, he just never stopped. So, at this point for the Devils, it's take a chill pill. I've seen a lot, a lot of stuff that reminded me of the whole Fire Lindy saga from mm, last year, and mm. I think we learned very quickly that that was a bit of a gross overreaction to some of the early season play. Uh, it's not hasn't gotten that bad yet but if it does, I, I would say take it easy. Uh, you, I give, you give the Devils, I say, 10 games into the season to start to look like themselves again, and then you start to ask these questions more and more seriously. Uh, but tonight is going to be a big measuring stick, because like I said, the Islanders adjusted to the Arizona Coyotes game and gave them absolutely nothing. The Devils did the opposite of that and played right into Arizona's hands. So if the Devils can learn from that, In the similar way to the Islanders, who I'm assuming learned from watching the Coyotes-Devils, then we can see some growth. I think the Islanders come into the game this night with a lot of confidence. The Devils, on the other hand, have a lot to prove. So I think we're going to see a pretty emotional contest. Honestly, both teams trying to get wins for obvious reasons. It's a divisional game early in the season. The Islanders want to cement their start as very good. The Devils want to turn their start around and look like themselves again. Uh, I think it's going to be low-scoring. I, I, because the Islanders are going to try to limit as much as possible. But the Devils really need to get into the neutral zone and start winning the game there again, because in transition, they were getting rocked. Uh, Arizona was killing them on the rush, and once they got into the defensive zone, it, it became very difficult for the Devils to get out. They don't have the same sort of stable forces in defense that they once did, which is part of the process of you know being a young team. Yeah. Damon Severson and Ryan Graves were never going to be there permanently as sad as that may sound cuz Damon Severson was a lifelong devil before that guys like Luke Hughes have to come in and step in but as one criticism I will make of Lindy Ruff is why Brendan Smith is still a permanent fixture <laughs> in the lineup and look it's a good point. he's a, he's an important guy uh he's one of the like of the all the professional athletes I've ever talked to I I consider him among like the most professional, like best head on his shoulders, one of like the nicest guys, approachable, and clearly plays a big, big role in that locker room. But I can't physically see a world where he's anything more than a seventh defenseman for the New Jersey Devils. Colin Miller did just get injured in practice, but why wasn't he playing the first three games? He's also right-handed, and Brandon Smith was playing on the right side as a left-handed defenseman. So I think there's one or two things that maybe could get fixed that I've noticed, but in general, it just hasn't meshed yet. I'm going to wait for it to mesh, and if it doesn't, then we can start getting a little more serious about our criticisms.
1: I I mean, I think that's something that we had talked about a little bit in the first couple episodes is that I did think that you were going to see that defense from the Devils, that blue line play, take a step back because it's hard to, like, losing Graves and Severson, even like I I think letting Severson walk was the right decision. Uh, The contract he got from Columbus, ridiculous. there's no way that you give him that money. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt when you lose him, and Mm -hmm. and I think you you can kind of see that it, Right now, it's been a struggle for them to, to clear the puck from their own zone and to really move it up. Yeah. And I think that's something that like, I think that might take a little bit longer to get used to because I still think like Luke Hughes is going to have growing pains. Right. And, and I think you're going to have a year long thing about who's going to be our sixth defenseman, and it's probably going to come down to who can we get in the deadline.
2: Yeah. And it's not, this is not me saying that Luke Hughes and Brendan Smith and Colin Miller and if Seaman Namich gets called up at, from the AHL at one point, that they're all worst defensemen. And less stable than Damon Severson and Ryan Graves, because Ryan Graves leads the NHL in, uh, or at least leads defensemen in giveaways right mm-hmm. now. Um, so it's just about stability and finding uh, the pairings that work best, and getting used to the pace of play. Luke Hughes is already the fastest defenseman the Devils have <laughs> by far. He's such a good skater, it's insane. But there's a lot of times where he makes a change at the wrong at the wrong time, for example, um, or just holds onto the puck too long in break breakout, and they get caught in the neutral zone. Those are growing pains that really just have to do with the pace of play and playing with new teammates consistently for the first time. So I'm not really worried about him. But, like, Luke Hughes, just for example, you see the puck get trickled out of the zone and someone's maybe got a step a yard or two on him. There's no way he's not catching them. His recovery speed is ridiculous. He's so good with the puck. I, I think for the Devils to have been outskated by both Florida... And Arizona and back-to-back games at home even though it's the start of the year and things are getting getting used to playing with each other that to me is, is the biggest problem because if you're if you can't play that way in your New Jersey I, I can't see them ever finding sustained success over the course of a season so that is the one thing that they have to figure out even if they're not winning tonight against the Islanders can we outskate them? can you play your game
1: I mean Greg that is the thing when you have these teams that are fast and play fast, When you don't play fast, it's really hard to play any other style. Most teams teams can't play deliberate. So if that happens, like, yeah, it's going to look ugly. I go through it with the Rangers all the time. The Rangers are best when they're fast. When they don't play fast, they suck.
0: Mm. I I, I do want to ask you, James, about two things Mm -hmm. with the Devils, as you are a fountain of knowledge. Um, I want to ask you about the special teams. That's Because the Devils have the fifth best power play in the league. They score 31.3% of the time. I know it's early. But they scored a power play goal in each of their first three games. That's five goals on 16 opportunities. That's pretty good. But they're also allowing at least one power play goal in each game so far. Their opponents have scored five of 15. That's the fourth worst in the NHL. What have you been making of the special teams? And also, what have you made of Tyler Toffoli as a New Jersey Devil?
2: I think the special teams is an important question because the Devils' power play last year was just not good. It was, I think, league average when it was at its best. Uh, all through preseason, the Devils' power play was ridiculous. When they brought in the players that they brought in, everybody was expecting the power play to take a big bump forward. Um, but the penalty kill was a big part of last year's success, and it had to be because the Devils aren't the most disciplined team, and they, they haven't been to this point of the year either. Three games, you're taking 15 penalties. Hmm. That's unacceptable. So for me, it's more about the volume of penalties they're taking, but penalty kills, I would the penalty kill specifically has taken a dip partially because Andrew Burnett's not there to draw it up. Uh, but the power play has gone up, I think, through personnel specifically. When your two power play quarterbacks are Luke Hughes and Dougie Hamilton, I think you're going to score goals on the power play. When you have guys like Hughes, Bratt, Toffoli, Timo Meyer, Nico Hishier, and I think probably they throw one or two big bodies in there, like a Nathan Bastian as a net front, that's a really good crop of players to be choosing through between one and two units of power play hockey. So I really liked that. But it has come at the expense of five-on-five five play, which is what the Devils were so dominant at, probably the second or third best team at even strength all season long. Um, so I think that's something that is not worth doing at, at, at a certain point. If you are sacrificing your own identity and your own ability to play at even strength, even if you have a great power play, you're going to lose hockey games. Uh, the volume of penalties they're taking is not good. Timo Meyer got benched the entire third period for taking two penalties against the Florida Panthers. That's a big-name player just signed yeah. for... $9 million, like almost $9 million. that's a big-time deal when you're not letting that guy get more than one shift in an entire period in a game where you're down 4-3, yeah. and it's a 40-goal scorer on your bench. Right. That's, a, that's a big statement from Lindy Ruff, and I think that's the right one when you look at the discipline and the way it's gone. As for Tyler Toffoli, um, he hasn't recorded a point yet, but I think it's just a deal for him. He was a point-per-game player last year, led the Calgary Flames, I think he had 73 or 74, and the, the idea for a guy like him is to just get used... He has two points on he the game? He has year? two points. Was it from game an one? An assist
0: in the Arizona game and an assist in the Detroit game.
2: Well, then they gave him the Arizona one after the fact. that mm. He wasn't okay. originally given that one. So good for him to get on the board. But it's still...
1: Meyer, Hezier, and Mercer, still no points.
2: No points. no points. And Mercer like points. Mercer hasn't... I don't think Mercer played with them in game three against oh, the okay. Panthers. They moved it around, and they've moved it even further, which is fine. Take your time. Figure out the lines. It's... Don't have to have that uh, written in ink yet. You can just move that around for now. I think eventually once it gets that sort of thing gets determined, whether it's long-term, it doesn't have to be determined who he's playing both of his pairings on the line. As long as he's determined who the center that he's going to be playing long-term with, whether it's Hughes or Shear, once he gets settled in that regard, I'm expecting some of the, the sniper in Tyler Toffoli to come out. Um, he hasn't really had those opportunities yet, and neither has Timo Meyer. Right. That entire line hasn't gotten going. Um, and I don't know if you remember last year, but the Devils were like 27-4-2 in games where Nico Hishier recorded a point. Mm. So he's he's the lifeblood of that team. Make no mistake about it. Jesper, uh, Jesper Bratt, Jack Hughes, they're the stars. They're the ones who set the pace. But Nico Hishier is the engine. And when he's not pumping, the team's not pumping. So I think that line has to really get going or just nico and timo specifically if they can get going guys like tyler to guys like dawson mercer guys like andre Pilat even mm. are going to because i thought palat actually he played with meyer and uh He against florida and he was the one getting everything going he's a real people don't give andre palat enough credit for what the work he does in the corners and that sort of thing he's a, he's a grittier player than a lot of people consider him he, he's been known as a playmaker for a long time but he he's really a jack of all trades in in the uh the offensive zone. So again, I'm not super worried about where things are at. Tyler toffoli hasn't looked like he's meshed with the team really at all. He scored one goal in preseason. It was that weird dribbler against the Rangers that kind of just like went off his stick. Mm. Um so look, he's a terrific hockey player. Um he's the type of player that until the last 2-3 years the Devils hadn't had. Like uh, he's I compare him in his influence on the Devils to, like, a Kyle Palmieri, but who has just a bit of a better scoring record in his career. And I love Kyle Palmieri. He's a game-breaker, and he was for the Devils, and he has been for the Islanders. Toffoli has that ability, too, but it's going to be about when can everybody that he's playing around get going because Tyler Toffoli is not the type of guy who's going to go and create a goal all by himself. He's done it before. He's been that guy in the past, but he's on the wrong side of 30 now. He's not really like the prototypical Devils player who plays with super high pace, But if he can get in good areas and he's playing around guys who can, I have no reason to believe he's not going to score 30 goals this year. Uh, I am very high on Toffoli for that reason.
0: Before we move on to the blue shirts, I do want to give one bit of Islanders news. Sure, go Um, ahead. Zach Parise is skating again. (gasps) And and so he postponed his retirement. He's now seen skating at home in Minnesota. And he said, it's either I'm going to the island or I'm retiring. And the Islanders have that spot open for him. That would be
1: awesome. I do. But before we get to the Blue Shirts, I want to me a Rangers fan. I want to get out and address one thing that I'm seeing online being said about the Devils after Mm. three games that they're like they're bound for a recession that, you know, they they peak too early and there there's no way they can they can match or, or top what they did last year. Through three games, they still have three points. I know it hasn't yeah. looked good. I'm not buying into this regression season yeah. at all. We're three games in. This team's so talented. So I'm not... People really like to overreact early on to the NHL season, and I love it. But I'm in, in front of this
2: right now. There's no way. I, I think regression... Th- is a is a is a negative too negative of a word? Because it's not. Listen, it's not like they were the Bruins and had like a
1: record like the best season in the NHL ever. They had a really good great. season. They had they had a, they but, had a
2: Devils record season. It was yes, a franchise record.
1: Franchise record season, sure, but not an NHL record season. Where even if you look at that last year, they had some peaks and valleys. There's, I'm not, I don't care at all. They're gonna be fine.
2: I, and They're I, so good. I think the hundred twelve points, fifty two wins, is gonna be tough to live up to from last year. Sure, but they don't have to replicate that to have a successful season, right. in my opinion. So that's why where I'd say like they might regress. Sure, they might regress, but I still think they they'll still get hundred points. Confidently be a playoff team. Hundred points should be around a minimum at the end of the year for them. Um, and yeah, I, I I still am bullish on their chances, but it has to has to look better first.
1: And. We'll find out tonight. I know you gave like a little prediction about, like, oh, it'll be low scoring. Do you have any thoughts on the game tonight?
2: I think it's going to be decided by whether or not the Devils show up for more than one period. Mm-hmm. And if they do, I think the Devils will win 3-2, 2-1. And if not, I think the Islanders can scrape by uh, with a 2 nothing, 2-1, 3-2 win, something like that. Because the Devils only score one period a game. Yep. So if they can... Survive that onslaught when in the second or third period, it's not going to be in the first. Uh, I think the Islanders should uh, have a lot of reason to think that they can win tonight, especially because I think Sorokin's already guaranteed in the net.
0: Sorokin is guaranteed in the net. And before we move on, Sam Bor says hi to both of you. She, hi, it was Sam. Hi, Sam. it was merch day at Bridgeport, and she got a bunch of cool oh, Islanders you said the, merch the, for I, free. The
2: fisherman hat. Oh, that is awesome. You got a hat. Bridgeport fisherman hat.
0: Yeah, That's, she right. got a Bridgeport Fisherman hat. It's in Hudson. She hat. says she's gonna get a Fisherman jersey. I this picture that she sent is her carrying a bunch of shirts that she got. We for free.
2: we do have to
0: get out to a Bridgeport game. That's awesome. Right. We're going out to Bridgeport. We have to do it. She gets so I don't know if I'm allowed to say this in there. She gets like three,
1: four tickets because she works. Sam Bohr works with Bridgeport Islanders. Shout woo! out Sam Bohr. Shout out Sam. WFUV alone. if we've announced one of that our yet. best.
2: One of our best. Love but you, yeah, Sam. she's
1: got. You know, she gets she gets tickets for friends. I know that's we got we'll get out to a few Bridgeport Islanders games. They play Hartford
0: joint, a ton. Joint joint Winterfair. minor league beat report. Uniro- oh.
1: Unironically, in me and Jack Warner cooking it up, trying to get out to a few Hartford games, maybe see Brendan Ottman. Let's try and that's, do it. No, we even
2: when when we can, When's, we this when's, conversation you, when's there, Utica but. in town. Ooh. Maybe get 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 a, get a little Utica Comets action over there, a little Sima Namich, a little Riley Graham Clark.
1: Let's just get out to some AHL games. Yeah. But we'll cook that up later. We still have to talk about the New York Rangers, who through four games are two and two. And I guess I'll get the ball rolling. Every game has gotten progressively worse than the last one, which is not good. I mean, they started off the season with a 5 win over Buffalo. And I went, oh my God, this team's so awesome. They're so good. We're going to win the cup. And then I thought played pretty well offensively in Columbus, had some tough defensive play, and they dropped that one. Tough out, an imperfect one against Arizona, and then this one last night against Nashville. I mean, oh, my God, just sloppy from the start, didn't look energy, energized at all, didn't look good, and, I mean, Nashville basically did whatever they wanted against them. I give credit to Andrew Burnett because he, I think, mean, crafted a perfect game plan to completely neutralize what the Rangers want to do. But here's where I'll get this, you know, started with is what Peter Laviolette's been, like, really pushing this year in the media is, we need to change the play style a little bit, encouraging a lot of north-south play as opposed to East-West, and kind of changing the way the Rangers play hockey. But unfortunately, there's still a lot of the Rangers in the Rangers right now. You have a lot of players on that team that really want to play East-West and really want to pass the puck. You have a lot of unselfish players to a fault. Panarin loves passing. Mika loves passing. And it came to a head yesterday where you have these guys passing, especially Mika, passing up really good scoring chances to try and set someone else up. But the Rangers weren't doing a good job of passing yesterday, so all those passes got deflected or went awry. And, I mean, that game's a nightmare. They score one goal, and it was Adam Fox trying to pass it to Vincent Trocheck, and Ryan McDonough was like, I'll let you have this one, and knocked it into the net. <laughs> so I don't know. That that last game against Nashville was pretty concerning to me because up until that point, I had saw pretty good flashes of change, and that one just felt like the
2: worst of Gerard Gallant last year. Did, did you think that the game against Arizona also trended in that direction yes. then too?
1: I thought it was be- I thought it was better but I mean like I mean they got they got completely dominated in the second period against Arizona and part of that's penalties but part of that was like you have those stretches again where unlike in Buffalo or Columbus where you're getting all this ozone pressure like you can't clear the puck from your own zone Braden Schneider's off to a terrible start to yeah. the season Keandre Miller past couple games Good I would heavens. say Arizona and especially against Nashville really having a tough time and it's weird cuz like Truba's played really well so far. Fox has been great. I've loved Eric Gustafson, but Schneider and Miller, I think, have really hurt the blue line play so far. That I mean, I legitimately feel like the quality of play has been on a straight decline every single game.
0: I mean, in that game against Nashville, they gave up eight odd man rushes and two it's breakaways. Terrible. That that's that it just can't happen. And Cole Smith in that first period. I mean, after the first period, you were just thinking, "Oh my goodness!" Like th- this this blue line cannot get it together the
1: second cole smith goal is one that you saw happen you go oh miller's gonna pass across and you see Smith's smith's only go oh, he's gonna score on the breakaway and he does and i feel i I feel bad for igor i'm kind of glad that they were able to get jonathan quick like half of a game he makes Mm -hmm. his rangers debut nine for nine saves by the way we're so back
0: i i I want (laughs) to give i want to give okay okay there are two goaltenders all right i'm not going to tell you who they are but they play for the same team okay here's the here's their stats one goaltender has a 3.14 goals oh, against no. average with an 8.79 save percentage. The other one has a zero goals against average with a 1,000 save percentage. Who's that? <laughs> so so, so this was the good thing that came out of this game, and thank you for giving me an opportunity to talk about Jonathan Quick. Anytime. Man. Um, yeah, he stopped nine shots in 26 minutes of action, including some bouncing pucks that could have gone in. Sure. Um, Laviolette says that Quick is going to play, going to start one of the road games in their five-game road trip. Makes sense. Coming up. And he made sure to note that he doesn't think Shusterkin necessarily lost it in that game. He just said that the odd man rushes, that they were giving up. Like, he's making the saves, they're just putting in second opportunities. Some of that has to do with rebound control, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think the worst look for him in that game is the Forsberg goal. That's the worst yeah. look for the Rangers is Forsberg yeah. drives through four guys. He just guys. wanted that. He just
2: wanted it. I mean, he, he took it. it.
1: But, I mean, like, that's – you heard you know, Joe Micheletti say, I think you saw it on Rangers Twitter, like, that's usually a stop that Igor makes, and Igor just wasn't, wasn't money. I don't think – it wasn't his fault, but he wasn't money last night. Right. Um, one thing I will say, and maybe it's me just being absolutely brainwashed by two years of Gerard Gallant. where you got nothing and it turns out he wasn't coaching is oh my god I love Peter Laviolette. even in losses the way he handles the media and what he talks Mm -hmm. about like Mm -hmm. actually giving like specific feedback on what went wrong and like yeah we didn't really do much of anything good you know last night or we need to be more north, north south just like hearing him say specific stuff that's not just yeah you know we're trying to play tough that's what we tell our guys to do is such a breath of fresh air and seeing the pictures of him like actually having one-on-one conversations with his players in practice and, I don't know, building a relationship, something that Gallant
2: never tried to do.
1: I, I'm going to be really easily impressed this year by Peter Laviolette, but I've been
2: completely won over so far. Nice. Look, to, to be to be easily impressed by the new coach after your last coach took you to 106, 107-point seasons mm. back-to-back, that's a high standard, man. And I think the the pressure that comes with playing for this team at that arena— it never wavers mm-hmm. that's part of it and i think some of the influx of youth now that they've clearly made an effort in trying to rely upon is is partially feeling that i'm not this isn't me the the, the devil's fan dunking on Lafreniere and Capo Caco again but i think so there's been a, there's it, it's been identified now from just about everybody involved with the new york rangers that there is a need now to boost up the wing depth at the high end yeah. not not just it's second safe. line and I've, I mean, there's a name that's being trickled around that still I, was, in talk- I was talking to Colin Lochran before we got in. Shout out to WFUV legend Colin Loughran, Uh that the Rangers are particularly interested and he thinks it's going to happen in bringing back Patrick Kane yep. in that role. And I and for the full season at the end of last year, everyone was saying, look, Patrick Kane, he might not be that good. It, he might not be the same player he once was, but this is a low-risk thing going into the playoffs. You you want to throw firepower at the wall, and it made sense. Everybody agreed with that. For a full year, do you think Patrick Kane can maybe start to address these things in the right-wing position moving forward? It's particularly on the right, but it could also be applied on the left. I don't know. For me, it's, I, I want to
1: give them... I, obviously, you're not going to make this decision right now, so you have time no, 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 to kind no, exactly. of evaluate. This is why I've, it's important to have this conversation early. I've really liked what I've seen from Lafreniere, to be honest. I love that second line of Panera and Hedl and Laf. I, listen, no one really looked good yesterday, but through the first four games, like that line's been really fun and I think has really generated a lot of chances. I was so impressed by... I mean, And then, conversely, in that first game where I felt like everyone did the right thing, but like Lafreniere's aggressiveness and his speed this year... I think has been a tick up from what we've seen from him. like A lot of the conversations last year were like, oh, man, this looks like Lafreniere doesn't want it. And just his the way he's been playing, I think, heads up hockey, the goal he gets in that first game where he's just driving to the net and puts himself in a perfect position to get an easy goal. But, hey, that's not something he was doing in years past. So I really like what I've seen from Lafreniere. To be honest, I'm a little disappointed with Kako so far just because He's paired with Mika and Kreider, and I thought that that would be a really fun line. And I think, you know, it's been solid, but I feel like Kako has disappeared a little bit on that first line right wing where I think that's the thing. I think Kako is so talented and has the ability to be a really good complementary piece on that first line. But if things trend that way, I could see them going Kane and putting him on the first line. But right now, like, even if the Rangers get Kane, like, I think I'd rather put him on the third line with Trocek and, and Cooley. Because, I don't know, I haven't been super, super impressed with Blake Wheeler. I didn't realize that he's this slow at this point in the career. I think he's yeah. got, you can tell he's got great IQ and great position awareness, but he's just so much slower than Trocek and Cooley. It's crazy.
0: I have been a little concerned about Filipito. Just in terms of dropping back and playing defense. I mean, he's, he's minus three right now. I mean, that right whole, that whole line is yeah. going
1: to be a big question mark defensively. Panarin's playing better defense this year, so and how, that's helped him out a lot. How do, how do we solve that? <sighs> I mean, so what they've been doing to kind of battle the fact that that is a huge defensive question mark is they pair that line with Fox and Lindgren a lot. Sure. And I like that a lot. I think that, that really helps. I, I don't know. Like, again, that line I think has such, like, offensive firecracker potential. Even at its best, it's not going to be a good defensive line. But I think it's more like, I think the more Keto plays under Laviolette, like, La Lavillette's going to get on his ass. And yeah. like he wants everyone to backcheck, he's not giving anyone an out. That's why you're seeing Panarin backcheck and play. I think the best defense we've seen probably since his
2: first year as a Ranger. I think that's a very big reason as to why Laviolette was brought in. Mm-hmm. He's when you think about what was criticized particularly about Gerard Gallant was his lack of relationships, if you will, with the players. Lack of emphasis on a team culture, instead. You bring in Peter Laviolette and he's known for being very brash with the referees, being very over the top. I mean, not like John Tortorella, for example, but he's a guy with a big personality who who makes it very known where players stand with him and, and, and that sort of thing. I think that clarity has helped. I, I know it's it's very easy to look back and say, well, we didn't like this coach and now we like this one because it's not the other one. I think it's a step in the right direction from a hockey standpoint too. Not only mm. because it's an improvement on Gillant, but because... Once things do start to stick out, in the little, maybe it takes Patrick Kane, maybe it takes Capo Caco taking a big turn, but if the Rangers can start to look like they did for larger stretches of last year, I'm talking about in the middle of the pack last year when they really started to turn up and confirm that they were going to be a playoff team, perhaps a playoff team that could have had a home game if not for how tight it was at the top of the Metro. Right. I think that that's something that you have to be really excited about. And I don't. it doesn't necessarily mean that Patrick Kane has to be on the third third line to add some more firepower and Blake Wheeler's speed is not there. I think it's just gonna come from when they can get a stretch of good performances in a row. And they opened up the year that way, but it wasn't it was good but not great. Right. I think you get a couple of great performances. What it will take, it's not necessarily gonna take a Patrick Kane or a Cabo Kako. It is gonna take an Igor stepping up again. Because Igor, I believe he played all four or five games, all yep. four games. That's the type of load he's expected. But you have Jonathan Quick waiting in the wings, and he's proved now, at least for a period, he can be a stellar goalie we've known him to be in the past. But if Igor starts making those saves on the Forsberg chance again, then the Rangers really start to realize, okay, we can't let that space open up in our own zone, but Igor's there, then they get a little more confidence to go out and score a goal the next shift. I'm not saying that it's going to be overnight. But three, four games in a row where Igor's at or near his best – and the Rangers are scoring goals consistently, and then Braden Schneider is not also throwing the puck away, <laughs> yep. I think that that's going to be enough to to spell a month or two even of really good, confident hockey. Even if they're not winning every game, that's going to be enough to get the season really underway. That's why it's important at the beginning of the year to identify all these issues as quickly as possible because once you get into a rhythm and you get running, that's when it's really hard to stop teams like the Hurricanes because like at what point last year did it look like the Devils could leapfrog them? About a 1,000 times. Yeah. There were so many times where they were tied for the division or they are one or two points or three points and the Devils had a game in hand, something like that, and then the Devils could take an off game. But the Hurricanes just don't because once they, they, they find their patterns of play so naturally, and I think we saw that in the playoffs last year, the game just comes to them. They don't even have to think about it. And the Devils aren't j- just aren't there yet. The Rangers were there a couple years ago, and I think have taken a step back in the sense that they really have to focus on playing their game right in order to be successful. And I think they're not going to be able to look at this group of players and have a really like a B game, like a B style of play to get you over the top. I think the Devils, they maybe have that with their power play. The Rangers also could do that they have a really good power play yeah. too but mm-hmm. I I don't I don't know if that's gonna have the legs to fuel a full season I think you're gonna really need to see a good stretch of wins confident wins that include your star goaltender playing like a star goaltender to really get things going and it's not like the Rangers have had a bad start mm-hmm. mind you they've had a okay start but this is yeah. the expectation for these teams now in this division, with it being as tight as it is,
1: you're watching them cautiously now just because it feels like each game has gotten worse. And that's why I think this stretch, this upcoming road stretch, goes under the magnifying glass a little bit, where it's Seattle and then four games in Canada, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver. It's the hardest road trip in hockey now. And
2: ever since they added Seattle and
1: Winnipeg. <laughs> I'm glad that they're getting this out of the way early, to be honest, but you kind of wanted to go in with back to back wins and kind of feel good about yourselves. And now it's, well, hey. Good teams don't lose two games in a row. All of a sudden, the Seattle game comes under the magnifying glass a little bit. And this, and this stretch, like I don't know what the asking, what you're asking the Rangers to get out of this stretch. I'm asking for
2: three and two. I, okay. And I think this is you could take this however way you want it, but there's no easy games in hockey. Mm-hmm. Never an easy game no. in this league, uh, and that's that's what sets this league apart from the other major leagues in America, in my opinion. Um, and then that road trip. It's so unique, too, to only hockey. You yeah. play five games in ten days, 3,000 miles away from where your city is. It's ridiculous. But then you also kind of play with house money a little bit because everybody's kind of acknowledged that, that going to Western Canada, that road trip, is really, really hard to it's do. Tough. So it's if tough. the Rangers come away with only four points out of it, I'm very happy for them that this is at the beginning of the year. If they don't do three and two and they only do one and four or two and three, then people are like, well, it's a bad road trip, tough road trip early in the year and then they can use that to kind of reset and then start fresh when they come back home. Or if you do do great on that road trip, you get four wins out of five, for example. And you go into, Carol, talking, you go like, into
1: a game against Carolina right, at MSG. Hell yeah, awesome.
2: these guys are feeling great. They're cooking, they're buzzing on the road, and then they're going to bring all that momentum back home. So I think this is a good time to have this road trip, mm-hmm. and I think the Rangers probably should make good use of it. The Kraken are in a bit of a vulnerable place because I, think that's I, a don't, win. I don't know where they're going to f- end up in the Pacific Division this year. They could be as high as among... The 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 Oilers and Knights, but could fall as low to the Ducks and Canucks in my opinion. Yeah. So I think Seattle have got a lot to figure out too, and that'll make it all the more interesting for the Rangers on the road.
0: It it can be so easy to go into places like Calgary and Edmonton and just get your stuff rocked. Yeah, especially when you're like playing well. Um, be, and, and I think
2: they they might get worked by Edmonton. Yeah,
0: and it's even easy to go. Every, in, that's a
2: reality for every team.
0: It's even easy to go into Vancouver. And and think you're gonna win that game yeah, and and have that's Vancouver that's the bogey up, one, especially <laughs> with the way that Thatcher Demko has been playing early in the season. He, he can he I, can ball. He can ball. He can ball. The rest of the team, eh? But he can ball. But he can ball. So yeah, you have to be so careful on not only the the Western Canada trips, but also like the California trips as well. It's like these good teams can go in and come out under 500 on a road trip and lose a lot of momentum.
1: <sighs> yeah. I think let's let's put a bow on all of this we've covered <laughs> our we've covered our asses with the local teams, but oh no, I threw a cursor in there ah, ah uh, the f c c uh, I think I know I want to talk about a couple of these teams a little bit and just get your your thoughts on them because me, Nick, and Colin, when we were looking at the Eastern conference, we had a really long conversation about all right, who are the players in there? And I started to look at the Atlantic and went, man, I can talk myself into like six of those seven teams.
0: Does that include Buffalo? Oh, of course it includes <laughs> Buffalo. I love
1: <laughs> Buffalo. And I, so far, have been very impressed by what I've seen from Ottawa and maybe a little bit from Detroit, more so Ottawa, I think. Especially Ottawa was, well, was the team I looked at and went, there's a lot of talent on mm-hmm. that team. Like they can really shake things up in the Atlantic. And you know, James, we didn't have you on for that, you know, that time that talk about the Atlantic, but I'm curious to hear what what your thoughts are, especially now that Ottawa's gotten off to a good start. I mean, hey, Detroit's right there with six points.
2: Yeah, Det- Detroit especially because if you look at their their uh, record, they they have one loss next to them, so no one's talking about them being undefeated, but that mm-hmm. loss came to New Jersey yeah. in game 1, and they were the better team. And if you look at their wins, shutout victory over Tampa. Uh, or sorry, over uh, Columbus, six goals over Tampa, and then a big six goals over Man, Pittsburgh that as well. Pittsburgh
0: game. Like, I did they, not they think that come not flying. That was Look, the statement. thing, the thing
2: with the Red Wings, I was like, they'll be competitive. They're in a tough division. They're in a similar situation, I would say, to Ottawa and Buffalo, but they don't have enough talent to compete to make the playoffs. But what they've shown now is they can score goals for fun at will. They've got 20 goals in yeah. four games. So I, I, I don't think that these guys are slouches. I don't think they'll make the playoffs in the end because if I look at the Atlantic Division, I actually have this pulled up over the summer. I made a little preseason playoff prediction. Oh, Can we hear it? Because we didn't yeah. we have you.
1: You know what? I was actually thinking if we did maybe incorporating a little prediction segment. I'm open to workshopping ideas right now yeah, it, for the it, name of the title.
2: It really let's have something fun. It really hurt me not to be able to put Ottawa and Detroit closer to the conversation mm. I have them in six and seven in the Atlantic mm. but then I look at the teams above them Boston Buffalo Tampa Toronto Florida I I've I've seen the, a path for all of those teams to finish yep. five four three two and one so I I don't I don't think that it has to be this year for the Senators right. they're a young team young team Tim Stutzla is going to be a star in this league for the rest of his career so it doesn't have to be right now. I hit the comparisons between him and Jack Hughes are warranted, by the way. I'm not the Devils fan who thinks that the Senators are terrible and Jack Hughes is 10 times a player Tim Stutzel is. He's not. They're very comparable players. But should I just read off the teams I have in the playoffs then? I would love to hear it. So yeah. in the Metropolitan, I have from, from first to, or I'll go worst to first. How about that? How about that? I'll go, I have an eighth. I have, who's in first place now, the Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> Seven, I have Washington. Six, yep. Columbus. Mm-hmm. Five, I'm sorry, New York Islanders. That's okay. Four is the Pittsburgh Penguins. Three is the Rangers. Two is the Devils. And one is Carolina. Mm-hmm. Granted, this was made also like early September. So so give give me a break here, folks. In the Atlantic, I have Montreal in last. I think that's pretty guaranteed. Yep. Detroit, seven. Ottawa, six. Boston, five. Buffalo, four. Maybe I, I'm starting to rethink that. Tampa, three. Toronto, two. Florida, one. Central, I have Winnipeg last. Chicago seventh, Arizona six, Nashville five, St. Louis four, Minnesota three, Colorado two, and Dallas one. Yep. And then the Pacific: Ducks eighth, Sharks seventh, Vancouver sixth, Calgary fifth, Seattle fourth, L.A. third, Edmonton second, Vegas first. And then in the playoffs, the wild card. So in the Metropolitan: Carolina, Jersey, and the Rangers. In the Atlantic: Florida, Toronto, Tampa. I have Buffalo and Boston both getting. The uh, wild cards: only three teams from the Metro in the playoffs. Central: I have Dallas one, Colorado two, Wild three. The Blues and the Nashville Predators, both from the Central, getting wild cards. Mm. And then the Pacific: Vegas, Edmonton, and L.A. are your three playoff teams. Seattle and Calgary are just gonna miss out.
1: Mm. So, can we talk about Buffalo a little bit? Because I've been so high on them since last year. I, I thought they were after the the way that they almost stuck into the playoffs last year and having Devin Levi come in at the end of the year and really shine and shut out the Rangers, and I was like, they are destined for great things this season. This is going to be the year that they have like their Baltimore Orioles season and really break out and hmm. take the league by storm. Through four games, it doesn't look like that, and I think what, ma- what complicates this even further is what we just said about the Atlantic, where looking at that conference, I think you can legitimately make a case for seven the eight teams to make the playoffs. Yeah. Easily. Sure. Because there's so much time. I think Ottawa getting Tarasenko, Detroit getting DeBrinkett completely makes that conference just so, so tantalizing. I'm not going to walk back the way I feel about Buffalo, but I will say, if, like, if they make if they make the playoffs, it's going to take a crazy second half surge on them because it's going to take them, I think, the full first half to really get their stuff together.
2: It will take all that, but you definitely shouldn't walk back your assessment of this team's I'm talent. I'm not walking it back. Tage Ta- awesome. Ta- Ta- Thompson is might be the most underrated star player in the league right now. I don't think that dude gets enough credit for what he can do on the ice. And secondly, the the talent in in the National Hockey League across the board is at an all time high. There's a reason yep. why expansion has been so successful in this league compared to others It's because there's no, there's no watering down the talent in the National Hockey League. That was a concern with Vegas, and it was, again, a concern with Seattle, and it hasn't been since because there are so many good hockey players to go around all 32 teams in the National Hockey League, and that is no exception in the Atlantic Division. There are seven of those eight teams that could realistically make it out. It's so funny to me that the one team that – is definitely not in that conversation is the Montreal Canadiens <laughs> who have by far the most robust fan base out of any team that's not called the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm a bit of a Canada hater, but I love no, when, go it, when the big Canadian teams are not good because they talk so much smack and they think they're more important and better than all the American fans. And You haven't won a cup since the early 90s. Shut it. And you're not going to win one again this year unless... I, who, who would be the best Canadian team? I don't know. This kinda, I went off on a tangent on why I hate Canada right now. It's the Edmonton which, Oilers. It would be the Oilers. But, like, Stuart Skinner is going to win a Stanley Cup as yeah, goaltender? No. I mean, he's on my fantasy team. I'm not thrilled about that. But <laughs> I, I don't think he's a long-term solution. Um, and As for the Atlantic Division and the Buffalo Sabres specifically, just to get back off that tangent, I think what, what it's going to take for Buffalo is to get more out of their bottom six consistently because... I think Tage Thompson and Dylan Cousins you can count on for consistent point production all year long. Uh, I, they're not going to get enough credit for it because they play in Buffalo, and they're not super huge stars just yet. They haven't made the playoffs yet. They haven't gone on a run yet. Eventually, all that will come to them in due time. But guys like Tyson Jost, who are, first of all, I, I single him out because he's a prototypical third-line center who has kind of been that in that role his most of his career, bouncing between the East and Western Conference, if he, a guy like him can really step up and be a 40-point scorer, then this Buffalo team really has something that they can build off of. If Peyton Krebs and Zemius Gergensen can, can be an identity line at, in, the, in the bottom six for that fourth line, they they kind of get out overrun a lot of the times late in the season when they make these pushes, when they have some momentum but they're chasing points in the playoffs. It really hurts them when they get stuck in their own zone a lot of the times in their bottom six, which happened so many times last year against good teams and big games. Uh, I remember, I think it was they were playing Pittsburgh with like eight or, ga- eight or so games left, and it officially eliminated them when we were just starting to get very high on Buffalo. It was just too much time spent in their own zone, too many penalties being taken. I think eventually the Buffalo Sabres and the Ottawa Senators are going to be the class of the Atlantic Division, and the likes of Tampa and Buff- uh, Boston are going to make massive drop-offs. Yeah. Those two specifically, I think Tampa.
1: Tampa might. This year. the off This is the start. I don't, I don't. I don't think I have Tampa making
2: the playoffs. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were in or weren't in, but I think this is year one of the Tampa Bay Lightning going on a downslide. And I think this and is Boston this too, is probably. Yeah, and I think well, this is year.
0: They haven't shown it yet. This no, they ba- sho-
1: Boston. Boston's going to hang around a bit longer, but and, look, I don't know how much longer they can.
2: And it's okay if they do because the Senators have time, the Sabers have time, even Detroit has time.
0: I want to talk about the Red Wings because you talk about the most underrated star player in the Atlantic being Tage Thompson. I agree. I disagree. Oh, you're gonna go. It's Alex DeBrincat. Okay. It's Alex DeBrinkett. He has started off on fire, and no one talked about him when he showed up to Detroit. This was like a story that went under the rug. He is on a four-game. Point streak. He has five goals and three assists. This guy is on fire, and it's not only because of him. I think Austin Zarnick has been incredible by his side. Andrew Cops had a good year. Andrew Cops had a good year. <laughs> Daniel Sprong started. I mean, strong. even Perron. Like, like this team is so much more dangerous than people give credit yeah. to, and I think that a lot of teams are going to end up being shocked when they head into Detroit, expecting a an, a mediocre team, and I honestly. I have Detroit finishing over Buffalo. I, I'd see
2: that wouldn't surprise me. I man. mean, especially not right now. <laughs> no. And right. You could have told me that before the year. Maybe I would have been a little bit confused. But having seen uh, some body of work now for the Red Wings, I honestly think Moritz Cider should be in the Norris conversation already. Yeah. I think their top six, the, no names besides Larkin, Raymond, and Debrinket really jump off the page and grab you. Andrew Cobb, J.T. Comfort, Michael Rasmussen as a second line is not. Eye-grabbing, no. but it's consistent, relatively uh, known point scorers in this league now, and they've been together for, in the case of Larkin and Raymond, have been together for a long enough time now where they know how each other plays, and adding an Alex Brinkat to that makes that an elite top line. Yeah. This is, they have an elite first line, so yeah. they they have enough pieces to be competitive in the Atlantic. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but again, they don't have to be right now. They've got time. Well, this is a lot of fun. My working title for this segment is "Predict These Nuts," but we'll th-
1: you know we got to workshop that a little bit and see what really settles. But I think I think it's time to wrap this one up. It's been a blast, James, Nick. I'm so glad that I could get here with you guys and talk some talk some puck, chalk up some puck. It'll be fun. We got this. I'm gonna be dialed into this Devils Islanders game tonight. But we it's gotta, gotta watch. be a fun one. Do
0: do, do you want to watch together, James?
2: I cannot. I'm going somewhere. Oh. Going somewhere fun? Okay. Ask me where I'm going. Where are you, where are you going? going, James? I'm gonna be at Madison Square Garden tonight. Oh. Billy Joel. Billy Joel. With my wow. Very pumped for that. It's gonna be a good one.
0: Well, hey, look, I'm not sold on the Sabers, but you may be right. I may be crazy. But it just might. be. we'll lose mean. lose the lunatic that we've been looking for. Yeah,
1: I <laughs> might. That be. Was, I might. Oh be. my god, come here. Dap
2: up. Get on Mike. Yep.
1: Oh, that's crisp. All right.
2: That was the one. That was
1: our hands. That was both of our hands. For Nick Palmer, James Burley I'm Lou Orlando Those were their hands And this has been 5 on 3, a production of WFUV Sports